minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. We are the first 365 day a year Packers podcast, and you can get all of your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out on CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Andrew Mertig, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle Fellows. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, it's always great to be a Packers fan, but this week was extra special. So um, as many of us witnessed on our TV screens, something incredible happened that we will remember for a long time. Um, what a game it was. But Andrew, I understand that you were actually at the game. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, it was absolutely an emotional roller coaster. I would be totally lying if I said I didn't feel some level of hopelessness after the Rodgers injury. Um, and some of that is a like Pavlovian reflex to every time Aaron Rodgers goes down. Uh, some of it was the confusion of what actually happened because certainly being at the game, there there were no close-ups or replays, and and um, I I wasn't totally sure what Aaron's status was going to be. But I do have to say that somebody that I was going to give a ride home to after the game stopped by at halftime and asked if we were thinking about leaving early, um, and and I said I think they're actually going to get back in the game. I was pretty confident that that Kaiser was going to be able to avoid turning it over to Khalil Mack a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time, um, and that they might crawl back in, but. Uh, when you see Aaron Rodgers jogging out of the tunnel, um, that was a feeling like I had never experienced, and the crowd just went nuts. Um, I've been to some pretty awesome games, but I don't know if, if any of them have ever been as memorable as that. Um, so kudos to Packer fans for, for really getting loud and getting crazy in the second half, and uh, wow, what what a performance by Aaron Rodgers. So I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty jealous that you got to see that in person at Lambeau, uh, but just a fantastic game, and we could really spend this whole show talking about Aaron Rodgers, our wounded warrior, the hero of the hour, uh, but we want to take a few minutes and talk about our unsung heroes from this game, guys that really did pull their weight and pull this team into a position to make this incredible comeback. So, Andrew, who is your unsung hero from Sunday night's win over the Bears? Yeah, before we can jump forward with the Vikings, it's it's good to take a moment and reflect on this game. And for me, the unsung hero was Josh Jackson. Trey Burton looked like an absolute nightmare matchup going into the game, and tight ends like him have absolutely terrorized the Packers in the past. He had a solid start to the game, but Mike Pettin decided to stick the rookie Jackson on Burton, and he absolutely locked him up from there on. I think this is the first of many times Pettin is going to be able to scheme his young playmakers to shut down opposing weapons. And having a player like Jackson, who has the skills to defend players with differing skill sets, is a really big deal. And they were able to limit Burton despite missing Oren Burks. And to me, Burton is the kind of player they probably had in mind when they drafted Burks. So the fact that they were able to use their second-round pick, Jackson, instead of their third-round pick, Burks and still have the same kind of effect was a really big deal. 
Yeah, uh, Josh Jackson is a great call. Um, one of my biggest fears entering this game was how are the Packers going to cover guys like Trey Burton and Tariq Cohen with Oren Burks and Josh Jones out. Um, but Pettin did a great job using Jackson to smother Burton and even later uh, Jair Alexander to cover Cohen late in the game. And neither of those guys played like rookies, which is really promising, and they made a huge impact in this regular season debut. Uh, my unsung hero of the game is actually Reggie Gilbert. Um, not because he was the pass rushing legend that he was in the preseason. He, he really wasn't that. Um, I think he only had one pressure during this game. But the reason that Gilbert is my unsung hero is because he did something that he should never really be physically expected to do. He covered Tariq Cohen out of the backfield on a crucial third and one and carried him all the way into the end zone and forced Chicago to settle for that field goal that really did allow the Green Bay comeback. Uh, Cohen is hard to cover for anyone, right? Um, let alone Reggie Gilbert. And if you were listening to the TV broadcast, you heard Chris Collinsworth talk about uh, how crazy this was and trying to figure out why Cohen wasn't open on the play. And he said something to the effect of, oh, my gosh, that's Reggie Gilbert, a 260-pound pass rusher that covered up that play to Tariq Cohen. And so uh, you know Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky would take that matchup 10 out of 10 times. Uh, but Reggie Gilbert made my unsung hero play of the night when he covered up the 180-pound lightning-in-a-bottle running back and open up the door for Aaron Rodgers and the magic that we all witnessed uh, thereafter. So great night for Reggie Gilbert. Yeah, and and that was definitely a very big impact play. Um, One of the other um, maybe not unsung heroes, but one of the just flat-out heroes of the game was Randall Cobb. So this is the part of the show where I have to admit that your prediction that Cobb was going to have a big game makes you seem like Nostradamus. He even exceeded the expectations that you set out for him. So obviously I'm really happy for Randall. I owe you a big kudos for your prediction. So so fantastic job, Kyle. Thanks, man. Uh, I can say with an incredible amount of certainty that this is the first time that I've ever been compared to someone who predicts the future. So a uh, big moment for me. I will humbly accept that award. I do have to say, though, I am going to take some solace because of my utter destruction of you in fantasy football this week. And and by the way, I outscored the rest of the Pack-A-Day podcast team by a pretty significant margin. I feel like this is your brand to just come on here. Now, I know I just got, like, the credit for predicting the Cobb breakout, but I just feel like it's become the Andrew brand to just kind of toot your own horn on this podcast. So, no, but for real, good for you. You did defeat me in great fashion this week. I think you scored 213 points. So um, just a ridiculous week for you. Not even fair. I put up like 176 points, so I felt like that was respectable. Um, but losing is what you expect when you start Matthew Stafford, and he looks like he's never played football before. So uh, congratulations to Andrew. Uh, but that's fantasy football. Let's uh, jump back into some reality. You know, Packers fans are going to live on this high of this unbelievable comeback for a really long time. And it will be talked about as one of the greatest games in Packers-Bears history. But we have to move on to this week. Uh, we have to talk about the hated Minnesota Vikings. Um, Andrew, can I ask you really quick, is the Vikings matchup worse than the Bears matchup in your mind? Like, do you hate the Vikings more than the Bears? There, there's been a lot of talk about this. And, and quite frankly, um, you know, just kind of thinking off the cuff, the Bears rivalry 
is a little bit more friendly, in my opinion. Um, it's it's difficult to have that deep-rooted hatred because the Packers and Bears historically haven't been both great at the same time much. You know, other than meeting in the NFC Championship game um, when, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Brian Urlacher faced off and the Packers ended up coming out on top, there haven't been a ton of, of big-time playoff matchups. There haven't been a lot of times when both teams were really, really good. Um, whereas with the Vikings, it is a little bit more bitter. Um, and I will say their fans tend to get a little chippier on Twitter. Um, they tend to celebrate them winning the offseason every single year, like every <laughs> Vikings fan thinks that they do. So for me, I have a much stronger opinion of Vikings fans than Bears fans, who, quite frankly, I'm usually pretty friendly and jovial with at Lambeau. I feel the same way. Uh, one of my best friends is actually a Bears fan, and we have uh, really cordial conversations about the Bears-Packers rivalry and those kinds of things. Um, and I respect the Bears organization. I think that they are a historic, um, well-led franchise for the most part. But the Vikings, I just cannot stand. I don't think I even know a Vikings fan that I talk to on a regular basis. Um, but so there's that. And then in the history, like in the last 15 years or so, I just have always felt like the Vikings have always kind of dumpster dove on the Packers roster. Now that's a little bit different the last couple of years, but anyway, just a, just a little bit of a soapbox for me tonight. But, uh, the Vikings, as hard as it is to say out loud, loud, um, are a good football team. They are an extremely talented team. And so when you play a team like this, you have to identify matchups that can be exploited. Um, admittedly, there are not a ton of weaknesses on this Vikings team, but there are some. And if Green Bay is going to get the win on Sunday, they're going to have to find some weak points to exploit. Andrew, where do you think that the Packers uh, could really look to attack the Vikings on Sunday? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there no football team is entirely complete top to bottom. Um, you know, maybe maybe if you look at the mid-90s Packers, they, they were about as well-rounded with as few weaknesses as any team that I can remember. So even the Vikings have things that can be exploited. But I would say overall, they're probably the strongest roster in the NFL. Um, and again, that's very painful for for both of us to admit. And and of course, they're led by their phenomenal defense. But they do have a little bit of a hole in their secondary that I think can be exploited. Both Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander did practice today, but they're both banged up a little bit. Um, and I think both have um, some vulnerability in their game. First round, uh, first round pick Mike Hughes had a nice second half last week, filling in for Waynes when he did get hurt. And he even had a pick six. And he might be the starter this week because of how well he performed. But quite frankly, getting the best of Jimmy Garoppolo does not prepare you for Aaron Rodgers. And I am of the belief that Aaron Rodgers is playing for sure this weekend. So we'll go forward thinking that Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison winning their matchups will absolutely be the key to the offense having any success against this really stingy Vikings defense. That's a good point, and I know that I uh, I already got my big uh, prediction correct last week with Cobb having a big game, but I actually think that it's possible that he has another big game this week because he may very well match up with rookie Mike Hughes in the slot, and that may be a place where the savvy veteran uh, gets a couple of opportunities against the rookie. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but as good as Minnesota is... Like you said, there are places that they can be exploited, and their offensive line is not its strongest point. 
Uh, in fact, they graded out as a bottom half of the league offensive line after week one. Um, and on top of their somewhat poor performance, they also lost Aviante, uh, a I think that's how you say it, Aviante Collins for the season uh, with an elbow injury. Uh, he wasn't a world beater before, but he was a solid depth piece for them on an already beat up line. So that does hurt them. And then as of today, uh, Kirk Cousins was still taking snaps with the backup center, Brett Jones. Uh, so it appears that center Pat Elfline may not be ready to return to action this week. Uh, we're still kind of waiting on that. But um, when asked about it, Coach Zimmer wouldn't even commit to him returning um, as the starter at center, but left the door open for him to play guard uh, when he does return. So there's a lot of instability on the Vikings offensive line, lots of moving pieces. And so uh, the Packers defensive line has been billed to be possibly the Packers' strongest position on the roster. Uh, a real position of wealth for them. And last week they did some nice things in the second half, but really didn't impose their will during the first half. And so I expect Daniels and Clark and Wilkerson uh, to come into this game with a real chip on their shoulder and bring some real disruption in the trenches. And um, so that uh, compiled with Patton's ability to scheme free rushers. And I really think that this Minnesota offensive line is going to be something that Green Bay picks on and exploits, um, hopefully in a big way this week. Yeah, and I think, you know, the Packers are not only going to have to exploit these areas of weaknesses that we've identified, but they're definitely going to have to win some of the matchups that are strength on strength, like Devontae Adams against Xavier Rhodes, or uh, the Packers' offensive line is going to have to have a big, big week, especially if Aaron Rodgers is behind center. So um, a, a lot of really intriguing things to look forward to with the matchup. I did want to switch gears a little bit because we started a weekly segment last week and we're going to continue this throughout the regular season. And that is going to be my weekly update on the first round pick the Packers acquired from the New Orleans Saints. So certainly we were all celebrating the loss to the Buccaneers last week and Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, really ascending to the Mount Rushmore of all-time NFL quarterbacks. Um, I did say last week the Buccaneers were going to play him tough. I did not expect that kind of offensive performance. I thought their defense would carry him, but holy man, they looked potent, or the Saints' defense looked really bad, one and two. Um, so the Saints did start 0-1, and that means that as of right now, at the end of week one, maybe a little early to start talking about this, the pick would fall somewhere between 1 and 15 um, if the season ended today. So this week, New Orleans hosts the Cleveland Browns on Sunday at noon. The Browns are coming off an opening week tie. That's fun. <laughs> and they showed significant improvement from 2017. The Saints did have both starting offensive tackles as limited participants in practice today. Um, and both their starting receivers, Ted Ginn and Michael Thomas, sat out of practice. So that is very interesting. It's tough to imagine the Saints losing this one. They are going to be very motivated. They're going to be at home. They're going to be against the Cleveland Browns. Um, but with significant injury concerns, there is an outside chance. So uh, go Brownies. Absolutely. Let's go Browns. I don't know if you've watched the, the hard knocks uh, with the Browns, but that makes it a little bit even easier to root for the Browns and pull uh, for them to, to turn their season around and, and have some success in, in Cleveland this year. Yeah, and that's that's Green Bay Southeast, right? That's absolutely true. I mean, we basically have like half of their front office, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although no Jeff Janis anymore, so. 
Uh, rest in no. peace. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're going to close out the show tonight with uh, some injury updates. Uh, the Packers were without linebacker Oren Burks last week, uh, but Burks has returned to practice in limited capacity this week, uh, leaving the door open for him to play on Sunday, which would be really fun to see him get out on the field for his regular season debut. Uh, the only two Packers who did not participate in Thursday's practice were safety Josh Jones and, of course, Aaron Rodgers, uh, who identified his injury as a knee sprain, and we really don't have any more details on that. They're keeping that all pretty quiet at this moment, but all signs point to Rodgers trying to play on Sunday. Uh, we certainly hope that that's the truth and that that's what happens, and he certainly wants to play, uh, but we probably won't know if he'll be able to go until uh, really pretty close to game time. Maybe even Sunday they'll try to make sure that he's in the best physical place that he can be to play that game. Um, finally, Devontae Adams is nursing that shoulder injury that he sustained on the big 50-yard gain in Sunday night's game. Uh, but all signs point to him playing as well against the Vikings on Sunday, barring any setbacks. But outside of the obvious Rodgers injury, which is a big injury, uh, this is a roster that's pretty healthy going into week two. So uh, that is some good news. Uh, but I think that that's all we have for our show today. Uh, this has been a Pack-A-Day podcast. You can find Andrew on Twitter at Andrew Mertig, and you can find me at Packer underscore Pundit. Remember to follow Pack-A-Day Podcast as well, and make sure to subscribe to the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Tomorrow's episode will be hosted by Jake and Mark, and of course there's a new episode every single day. Uh, you can catch Andrew and myself every Friday. We'll be back next Friday with a breakdown of the Packers' win against the Minnesota Queens, and a preview of the Packers' Week 3 matchup when they travel to the East Coast for their game against the Washington Redskins. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember to... Snap to Rodgers under a blitz. Rodgers tight pocket steps up, throws the left, got Devontae inside the 10, heads back, tucks left to the 5, reaches, high line, and touchdown!